You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So it is time for another question and answer episode. I get a lot of questions, so I try to answer them in different ways, either doing a whole show on a topic, writing a blog about it, which you can always sign up for at feistymenopause.com, or talking about it in one of these Q&A episodes. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into it. I had a couple of questions about how to find uh, menopause practitioners and menopause coaches, which are generally two separate things, though not always. Um, To find a menopause-trained practitioner, you can go to the Menopause Society's webpage at menopause.org and type in where you live and a list will pop up. I have to say that you may still have to go through some trial and error here. I have heard from plenty of women who have had to try a few doctors before they found one that was a good fit but it is a great place to start. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so it's super easy to find. Finding a coach can be a bit harder, but I invite you to join our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group because you can always go in there and say, hey, I live here. Are there any coaches around me? Or if you want a virtual coach, you can just go in there and look around, connect with people. I know many women who have found programs and coaches that work for them in that group. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. All right. Now on to the SpeakPipe mailbox. First question is from Lee. I have just listened to your podcast with uh, Tri Marnie. I'm 60 years old and I just did my fourth 70.3. I was diagnosed with breast cancer last year and had a double mastectomy and am on uh, estrogen blockers. So I've got a major lack of hormones and have been thrown back into menopause. Have you ever addressed this in any podcast that I should listen to? I want to continue uh, with Iron Man, I did uh, my last full in 2019, but with the estrogen blockers, they call them AIs. I'm really not as good as I would like to be. Okay, Lee. First, congrats on your fourth 70.3, and I'm very happy that you are still with us. Um I am not happy to hear that you're thrown back into menopause. It's a real thing and it is hard. We've discussed this on the show a few times, most notably the show I did with Dr. Corinne Men on when cancer enters the equation. And if you haven't heard it, uh, Dr. Men was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was just 28 and in the middle of her OBGYN residency. We talk about managing medical and or surgical menopause in that one. And honestly, it might be worth contacting her office for a consultation. I have heard from others in the audience who learned about her through that show, 
reached out to work with her and have had great success. I highly recommend her. She's super nice, very informative, and just so good about uh, helping women find what they need to do exactly what you want to do. Just keep living your fullest life. So I wish you all the best luck with that. Um, I'd also tell you to listen to a show I did with Sarah Thomas that I think is really worth a listen. She is younger, um, but holy Moses, has she been through it with aggressive breast cancer, radiation, medical menopause, you name it. And she's out there breaking records in ultra distance swims. And I think finding, again, a healthcare practitioner like Dr. Men who understands active women and cancer and menopause is really a great first step. And I will put a link to all of that in the show notes to make it really easy for you. And I wish you all the best. All right. Next up, we have a question from Julie. Hi, Celine. I'm almost 53. I've been working in law enforcement for 28 years, and I've been a runner, triathlete, but had kids later in life. And I'm now struggling with some midsection weight gain. And I see all the interviews and everything that all these amazing women are doing. And they look great, and I'm really trying to be okay with my body image, but I am struggling with possibly trying to do a tummy tuck or liposuction to help me feel better about myself. And I'm just wondering if you've gotten any information on how that affects triathletes and any long-term issues with it. I appreciate everything you do. Your podcast has been a tremendous influence in my life. Thank you. Whew. Hi, Julie. Well, I have to be honest. This question left me feeling sad because the last thing I want this show to do is to make any woman out there feel like she needs to change her body to meet some idealized image, which is not even real. And sure, there, there may be some women out there that you've seen in the community or on the podcast who have some flatter midsections. I'm sure that's true. But if you go through the show over the past three years and look at our Hit Play Not Pause Facebook community and really just the world at large, you will see women who are doing amazing things and enjoying their sport of all shapes and sizes. And while you're talking about all these amazing women that you see, Julie, Please, please, please recognize that you're one of them. Your career, your endurance training, being a mom, you're one of them. You're one of those badass women. And I know it's easy to focus on the things that make us feel bad. It's kind of human nature for whatever reason. It's like how you fixate on one negative comment or bad grade when all the other ones are great. So I'm just like, be before I get to the meat of that question, I really just want you to consider that there is no one ideal body type here in triathlon. And importantly, there's no guarantee that you'll find what you're looking at through surgery, um, or what you're looking for through surgery, I should say. I see posts every day, every day, by women who I would consider super fit and even very lean, who talk about hating their thighs, hating their bellies, hating their butts, hating this, that, and the other things. We grew up with that conditioning to, to look for things that were wrong with ourselves and hate on them. 
and it's a problem. <laughs> so that's just my little soapbox there. Like, I really consider you, I really would like you to consider all of that, you know, before we get into the surgical elements here. So regarding the surgeries themselves, there are some important considerations that I pulled from research literature, women I have known and worked with who have had these procedures, women in the community that have, you know, I talked to about these procedures, and from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. So let's first talk liposuction, and that's where a surgeon uses suction to physically remove some fat deposits from underneath the skin. There are a few things to consider. The first is recovery. Assuming all goes well, the recovery time is about six weeks, uh, includes a lot of downtime and self-care while you're managing surgical sites and incisions and soreness. And, you know, although, and this is important, the fat cells that they remove are permanently gone, that does not guarantee that your weight will remain stable or you won't gain fat. Research has found that when people gain weight post-liposuction, and they generally do, they gain it in other places. And the women I've worked with over the years who've had lipo, and it's been on their legs, I think, in all the cases, they were happy for a while, but then they did gain weight over time, and it was in different places like their hips or their bellies. Um, it's also important to note that liposuction, and this is important, I think, for what you're talking about cannot remove visceral fat. And that's the deeper belly fat that menopausal women tend to gain. It's not the fat underneath your skin. So that means if the body shape that you're wanting to change is because of that deeper visceral fat, which we do accumulate more of during menopause, liposuction will not change that. There's also some research suggesting that liposuction induces what's called a compensatory, a compensatory increase of visceral fat. Um, which simply means your body puts more into your visceral region, into the deep abdominal fat when you do gain that fat, which is not what you want since visceral fat is more metabolically unhealthy. Now, I will say that those studies suggest that you can counteract that gain with physical activity, which obviously you will be doing, but it's just something to be aware of. It's something to consider when you're talking about especially belly fat, like where is that belly fat? And can I actually get rid of that kind of belly fat with these surgeries? And what's the long-term implications there? Regarding tummy tucks, um, I actually didn't know a whole lot about tummy tucks, to be honest with you. And then I started doing this research and it's like the procedure's cute name belies what is a pretty substantial surgery. And depending on the extent of your procedure, you know, the post-op recovery period can be, can be quite long and it includes pain meds, antibiotics, limited mobility. You know, the basic recovery is two to three weeks, but any vigorous activity needs to be avoided for four to six. And it's important that it's not really a fat loss procedure. It's more for loose skin, which is why they're particularly common among women who have had pregnancies and those who have lost a lot of weight. The women I know who have had the surgery for excessive skin, and those are women who have lost a lot of weight, like through bariat bariatric surgery, they have been largely happy with it despite the pain and the downtime. But again, it's it tends to be for that, that loose skin. Now, you can get both liposuction and tummy tucks at the same time. But again, none of this is a permanent weight loss solution. I think it's important to hear that the healing time will still be a couple of months before you're looking at getting active again. And, you know, those are really the basic facts. Most of most of the impact that you're looking at as a triathlete will be on the recovery process and what that looks like for your training. And I obviously can't make any decisions for you 
but I hope you'll give what I said up front some consideration. I, you know, I really hope that you can see yourself, no matter what decision you make, in a more generous, positive light. Because again, there are triathletes of all shapes, sizes, ages, all of it out there. I was just at the Ironman World Championship, and it it's not like they were all whippets, you know, and and it's not to say that the women who were heavier weren't kicking ass because they were. So anyway, we tend to view ourselves with the most negative lens and we shouldn't. I hope I have gave, given you the information you need as well as some stuff to consider. And um, I wish you all the best. And and I really, I really hope that you can um, give yourself grace and be kind to yourself again, no matter what you decide to do. And actually, while I'm thinking of it, and before I let this question go, I know you didn't ask, but I I do believe it would be worth working with a nutritionist and or a trainer as well before opting for surgery. Midsection weight gain can be stubborn, but there there are things you can do to help minimize that and, and work with that. And maybe that you haven't thought of or tried, it's I think it's definitely worth going those routes first if you have not already before you start going down a surgical route. Okay, that is truly all for me. Um, I wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match. And then use the code hit play, all caps, one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. 
and they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Okay, next up is Patty. I have a sleep question. I am 48. I have um, been going through perimenopause. Uh, I just really found that out, but it's been a seven-month-long insomnia and uh, issue. And I don't I listen to the podcast where it said about falling asleep. I don't have any trouble falling asleep. It's the wake-up you know, wants to go to the bathroom, but then after that, it's the wake up five or six more times after that. And, you know, I am getting the deep sleep um, initially, but then I'm not getting really restful sleep and I don't feel rested when I get up in the morning because of all the awake times that occur between usually 2 and 6 a.m., um, I do not want to take drugs. Um, I've tried melatonin and magnesium and trazodone and all these things that the doctors are throwing at me, and I just need help before um, I just hit a breaking point. Thank you. Yeah, Patty, that's a very common situation. In fact, what you're experiencing is the most common sleep-related complaint for menopausal women. They'll wake up in the middle of the night and struggle to get back to sleep. And I know you don't want to take drugs and that's that's great, but I must say that if you are experiencing hot flashes or night sweats as that are causing some of those middle of the night wake-ups, I would encourage you to look into hormone therapy. It doesn't have to be forever, but it could get you through the roughest patch here. I would also, since you do sound like you're sort of at the end of your rope and you have tried a lot of things, cognitive behavioral therapy comes up. I can, it is probably the biggest thing that comes up on this show and probably the thing that le- the least number of women actually try. Um, but I, when the women actually do try it, I hear from them that it works miracles, like it works amazingly well. Um, so there is a cognitive behavioral therapy treatment of insomnia it's considered the primary intervention with, for people with chronic insomnia, and it's superior to sleep medication alone in the long term. That's been studied. We did a show on that that I would recommend checking out. It was called Calm Your Mind with Dr. Alicia Brose, who is a licensed psychologist and founding partner of the Boulder Center for Cognitive and Behavioral Therapies. She specializes in behavioral therapies for mood, anxiety, and sleep disorders, and she is also the co-author of End the Insomnia Struggle, a step-by-step guide to help you get to sleep and stay asleep. So you can learn more about her and her work at bouldercbt.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and I'll also put a link to that show in the show notes. I have heard from quite a few women who have done her program and uh, swear by it as a life changer. So. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend pursuing that. It it does take some time, uh, but it, it sounds like it's completely worth it. 
Um, I also did a show with Dr. Anjia Matsumara, which I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, because she really opened my eyes to how common uh, things like restless leg and sleep apnea and a lot of sleep disturbances are in women in our demographic that we don't really think about and doctors don't really talk to us about. And you could have one of those and not even know it. So it's worth pursuing um, some education there too. I'll, I'll put a link to her show in the show notes and maybe some light bulbs will go on, but you don't have to, you don't have to suffer. I hope you can hang on to the end of your rope a little bit longer and pursue some of these um, remedies and treatments. And I wish you a restful night's sleep and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for listening. All right. Next up is Kate Sell. And I hope I said your name right. I actually even Googled it to see how you pronounce it, but I did my best. Anyway. Hello. I love the show. I wish I'd had this 12 years ago. I'm 61 now, and I've had migraines since I started my period at 14. One of the conversations that's hard for me is I would have loved to have taken HRT, but my migraines are hormone related. I'm wondering if there's more information out there for those of us with migraines who are going through menopause. I've had to do it all without hormones. And when I hear conversations about hormones and people, women taking them, I get very jealous because I didn't have that option. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Okay, so lots to unpack there. Uh, I'm not sure if you're still getting the migraines. It sounds as though since they were hormonally related, you may have relief from the migraines now, but you have menopause-related symptoms that you can't use hormone therapy for for fear of triggering the migraines again. And that would be in line with what the American Migraine Foundation notes, that you know when women do have hormone-related migraines, many women find their migraine attacks decrease or completely stop after menopause, because menopause creates those stable hormone levels. And without the fluctuation of hormones, the severity and frequency of attacks generally decreases. All that said, I mean, this is such an interesting conversation because the more that we're learning, like hormone therapy isn't completely off the table for migraine sufferers. The literature shows that transdermal estrogen in the right dose may work for women with hormonally sensitive migraines. Now, since you're 61, you would need to have a conversation with your provider to see if you're a candidate for that, as taking hormones after 60 may raise the risk of some cardiovascular cognitive issues depending on your menopausal and your health status. So that would really be for you to work out with a um, an informed provider with. I'll also say you're not alone in going through menopause without hormones. I mean, I, I can hear you know, when you clearly express your frustration, and I'm sorry you're feeling that. Um, but just know that you aren't alone. There are many women who have a history of cancer or blood clotting risks or other reasons that they can't or couldn't use hormone therapy, or, you know, a whole generation of women who are who are understandably angry, who were candidates for hormone therapy. And the WHI interpretation, that's the Women Health Initiative, just like scared off a whole generation of doctors of helping women in who could have been helped without any risk. And we all really should be kind of, you know, there's not much we can do about it now. And there's no sense in living with a lot of anger, but we should be a little 
righteously outraged about that and just make sure that going forward that does not happen to women again. Anyway, that was just a little tangent. I would encourage you to explore other treatments and therapies, you know, along with a conversation about hormone therapy, if, if you're really interested in, in pursuing that. But, you know, there are other ways to uh, to go about this. If you're still experiencing vasomotor symptoms, there are therapeutics like fesalinitant, that new drug, which I have heard some women have success with, including a woman in our membership who's in her early 60s. And it's considered by physicians in the field as a as a promising therapy for women over 60 who can't use hormone therapy. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I mentioned earlier for sleep, it really does come up a billion times on this show. And research shows that it performs as well in some cases as hormone therapy for symptoms. Uh, there are supplements and pharmaceuticals from creatine to ashwagandha to SSRIs and SNRIs that many women use successfully to help with mood and sleep and cognitive clarity. I'm not sure if you're part of our Hip Play Not Pause private Facebook group, but I would encourage you to come in if you're not, because it can really be a tremendous resource to find other women who are just like you. And you're not alone. You know, I mean, the, there are many migraine sufferers in that group. And it's just a it's just a safe place to come in, vent, express yourself and find women to brainstorm with. So I'd encourage you to join that. Um, there are certainly many ways to live a vibrant life without hormone therapy I would encourage you to find a menopause certified provider and work through all of your options as well as join our group because you do not have to suffer. Full stop. Thank you for being here. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. 
Pettis has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. All right. And we're on to our final question about GABA. And this is from Anna. Hello. Uh, Celine, is it safe to take GABA for anxiety with the menopause? Thank you. All right. I am not a doctor. And I obviously do not know your medical history or what other supplements or medications you're taking. So it's always a good idea to check in with your provider before taking anything you may have contraindications for. I did some digging, you know, because it's it's interesting. GABA has come up very recently a few times. It's sort of popped up in the Level Up membership. It's popped up in the Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group. And uh, I, there are a few women who have expressed that they have had uh, success with it for sleep and anxiety. So I went to examine.com, which is sort of my go-to resource. I got that from Andrew Huberman, you know, who, if you don't know who Andrew Huberman is, you can look him up anyway. Um, I looked it up on examine.com to see what they had to say on it. And in a nutshell, what they had to say is first, what GABA is. So GABA is a neurotransmitter that sends chemical messages through the brain and the nervous system. It helps regulate communication between brain cells and reduces activity of neurons and nerve cells. So it has a role in behavior, cognition, the body's response to stress. And some research indicates that it helps control fear or anxiety when neurons are overexcited. So it makes perfect sense that menopausal women who have increased fear and anxiety and stress, not all, but a lot of us um, could be intrigued by this supplement, right? And and of course, as we've heard before, there's also trouble sleeping. So it makes sense that people would be like, oh, a calming thing. I, I'd like to try this. Um, does it work? The research really isn't there to draw firm conclusions. You know, again, I went to examine.com. I went to consumerlab.com, dug in on PubMed, uh, PubMed. And there's just limited research on oral supplementation with GABA. You know, there's been a few small studies that have found improvements in sleep quality and some of the markers of stress, you know, when it's measured in research by questionnaires or heart rate variability, cortisol levels. But other studies have not found these benefits. So it's there's definitely it's not a it's not unequivocal here. Therefore, uh, it's just not really possible to draw a firm conclusion about GABA and any of these outcomes. And it's also not clear how much the GABA that you take actually reaches your brain. And it seems like not so much. As for side effects, it does seem, and that was really your question is about safety. As for side effects, oral supplementation appears to be safe and well-tolerated, according to examine.com. There's been no evidence of toxicity in animal studies or serious side effects in human studies. What people sometimes do experience is abdominal discomfort, headache, and drowsiness. That makes sense, the drowsiness part. Uh, I looked it up again, like I said, on consumerlab.com, and they noted uh, limited benefits in their, in their roundup. And 
they also noted that the benefits are generally temporary. So this is one that I'd say that anecdotally I hear some positive feedback on from the group, but there's not a whole lot of clinical evidence to pursue it. But it doesn't seem to be like a high risk either. Again, I am not a doctor. I am not making any medical advice here. I encourage you to talk to a practitioner before you try anything. I know that this uh, GABA might uh, not interact so well with blood pressure medications. I don't know about others. So again, check that out. But that's the lowdown on GABA. And I feel you. I understand, man, when you're talking about the anxiety piece, it's real. And <laughs> should I say cognitive behavioral therapy again? I I do think that it is helpful. I also... I personally find ashwagandha helpful, but uh, mindfulness and taking those breaks for your brain really can't be overstated the benefits of that. It, it, it really does work. And sometimes it's those simple, simple things that literally sound too simple to be true that actually do work. So I encourage you to, to sort of pursue all of that. You can go into, uh, I've written about this quite a bit, anxiety on feistymenopause.com and you know, I just encourage you to poke around there and, and see what you might find as well. But I wish you all the best and thank you for listening. Okay, so that's all the questions I have for this week. Remember to check us out on Feisty Menopause at Instagram and Facebook. Sign up for that free weekly newsletter and blog at feistymenopause.com. Uh, check out our Level Up membership while you're there. We have built a really special community there that I am super proud of. You know, there are women who are really bursting out of their comfort zones and trying new things like Maggie, who recently gave time trialing on the Velodrome ago. And I'm so super stoked for you, Maggie. It's, uh, it's amazing what happens when we uh, have education and information and a community that lifts us up and supports us and encourages us to put that all into application in our lives. I am just so excited about, you know, I'll, I'll be super transparent here and super transparent. For a long time, I was like, birthdays never bothered me. 50 was a bit of a, was a bit of an earth shaker, but, but I settled on very solid ground, but like, I would think about 60 and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. Like 60 sounds scary to me. 60 sounds like I I have to like, it, it's going to be disruptive, right? It's going to disrupt my life. It's going to, I'm going to slow down. Like all the things that you think about all, all kinds of ages. For some reason, like 60, I was zoned in on that. But if anything in this community has done for me personally, it's like, wow, like I'm not afraid of that anymore. I, I'm seeing what, all these amazing, badass, 60-something, 70-something-year-old. I, I know women in their 80s doing badass things. And, you know, I imagine every birthday brings its own challenges. But um, it's given me such an optimistic view on the years to come. And that just I, I've taken off that ceiling of in my mind of like, oh, you know, when you reach this age, that's when you start your decline or that's when you start. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like we we're we're in uncharted territory. We've not ever had a generation of women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, beyond, like who have been active their whole lives and and doing these things, taking care of themselves, fueling properly, respecting their sleep, all this stuff. 
We've not ever had this. We don't, we don't, we've not had a generation of women doing this. We do not know where the ceilings are. We don't know where the edges are. We don't oh, like so any any limitations I feel like we often put on ourselves. And we should not do that. And I and you know, I started all of this with feisty media to help other women not do that through the menopause transition and beyond. But what it has given back to me has been life-changing. I it, it has changed the way I view everything. You know, the way I view my own future, the way I view the possibilities that lie before us all. So I guess that's just a long way. I, I went on a tangent there of saying thank you to all of you. Uh, a lot of you come up to me when I'm out there at events or speaking or whatever and and thank me. And I just want to give that right back because um, I just, why can't I not talk without crying? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's really, I didn't plan this. I never planned to cry. Um, it's really made a difference in my life too. And each and every one of you lift me up too. So thank you. <laughs> All right. My God. I don't even know where to go that. Anyway, quick thanks. I need to give a quick thanks to the people who make this show possible. So uh, Amino Co, Amino Co, thank you for your continued support making this episode possible. I am, I have to tell you all, I'm kind of obsessed with their heel product. I I know I do the the ad in the show and perform because I was using that one a lot when I was training for the 70.3. But um, man, I didn't try their heel product at the time. And it contains creatine, which I love, and all the essential amino acids. So now I don't use a separate creatine product. I just use this. And it is literally amazing how quickly it helps me recover from events and hard days. Like I reach for it. I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll use heel. Uh, and it it works. So thank you, AminoCo, for your support. I just did a heavy deadlift day and a 5K race last night. And I'm like, I need heel. And it 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 works really well. So anyway, thank you, AminoCo, for your support. And that's it. That's all I got for you this week. So come on back next week. When I sit down with Ann Alexander, longtime friend of mine, um, used to work with her back in the prevention days of your, uh, she is now at Soul Candy. And we did a show that's all about spiritual fitness and how to find your peace, purpose, and power. And it was a, it was a good one. So you won't want to miss that. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.